Hey everyone, it's Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation. Before we get started with this episode, I wanted to tell you more about the Freshman Foundation Digital Playbook for High School Athletes. Every high school athlete gets excited about finally arriving on campus. Becoming a collegiate athlete is the ultimate reward for all of the sacrifices you've made for 10 plus years to get to this point. However, ask any athlete what it was like to make the leap to collegiate athletics and they'll tell you it was hard, and not only on the field. First-year student-athletes entering college might be forced to ask themselves some really hard questions when they arrive on campus. Am I good enough? Who do I trust? Who can I ask for help? What if things don't work out the way I hoped? All of these questions are normal and relevant to any incoming college freshman. However, the consequences are greatly magnified for student-athletes because of the significant demands they face and the benefits that are at risk. What if you had a playbook to help you answer these questions before you arrive on campus? The Freshman Foundation Digital Playbook helps high school athletes be ready to dominate the leap to collegiate athletics. The Freshman Foundation is an interactive digital learning resource to help you prepare to answer the hard questions before you get to college, rather than struggling to find those answers during your first or even second year. The course is highly interactive, containing dozens of activities designed to help you build self-awareness, build new mental skills, and at the end, have a clear blueprint for how you will dominate the leap to collegiate athletics. Your playbook will help you develop five critical skills to prepare you for the leap to collegiate athletics. Those skills are growth mindset, resourcefulness, confidence, resilience, and building your support network. Your investment in the Freshman Foundation Digital Playbook will be the difference between just surviving early in your college career and thriving from day one. To begin designing your playbook, you can take these three steps right now. One, visit michaelvhuber.com backslash course. Two, Click on the white box at the bottom of the page that reads the Freshman Foundation Digital Course. Three, begin designing your playbook. I've developed the Freshman Foundation Digital Playbook because you deserve to be ready to make a successful leap to collegiate athletics before you arrive on campus. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. Do you struggle to ask for help? Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, where we help young athletes be ready for every next step in the game of life through mental performance coaching. I recorded this podcast on October 5th 2023 during Mental Health Awareness Week, so I thought it was fitting to talk about the subject of asking for help. In episode 50 of the Freshman Foundation podcast, I discuss why it's so hard to ask for help. In this episode, I dive deeper into how we can get better at asking for help. In my view, asking for help is a skill. This perspective is highly personal. I had to learn how to ask others for help in my late 30s and early 40s to address my own mental health and life challenges. Practice asking for help allowed me to get better at it, and ultimately, it improved my life. 
Stay with me as I explore this extremely important topic. Let's build your foundation by learning more about how to ask for help. So today is October 5th, 2023. We're in the middle of Student Athlete Mental Health Week. And so uh, I wanted to make this podcast um, about that topic. Um, I think it's obviously really important as somebody who works in the mental performance field, mental health and mental performance go hand in hand. And certainly, you know, if we don't have our mental health, it's really hard to not only perform our best on the field, but be our best selves off the field. So I I wanted to talk about that. And specifically, I wanted to talk about the subject of how to ask for help. Uh, In episode 50 of the podcast, which was sort of a a milestone marker for me, uh, I talked about why it's so hard to ask for help. And I'll, I'll touch on that in this episode, but I wanted to give listeners sort of the concrete takeaways about what are some of the things they might be able to do to get better at the practice of asking for help, which is not something that um, most of us are really comfortable with doing and and find it to be second nature. So um, I, I think I wanted to start off with a story and, and the topic for the podcast in part um, was prompted by a conversation I had last night uh, with my daughter, who's a 13-year-old soccer player. She's developed um, so well. Um, her confidence has increased so much on the field. She's put in so much effort and time as a father. Uh, I'm really proud of her as somebody who works in a field helping young athletes develop their confidence and helping them to get to where they want to go to watch her um, do that with mostly of her own volition and motivation is really exciting to me. Um, but like any young person, um, and and she's certainly predisposed to a bit of um, anxiety, if you will. She's predisposed to a little bit of self-doubt and questioning herself. Um, we were talking last night about the fact that one of her, she has three, three practices a week, uh, for her, her travel soccer team. And she's really taken to it. She really likes her teammates. She's really gotten better in a very short amount of time, just being a part of this club, which is super, super high level, uh, relative to where she was at. Um, and she really likes her coaches, but the three practices a week that she has Um, one of those is going to be interrupted or interfered with because of her CCD religion class. She's going to be confirmed in the spring. And so she has to go to the class on Wednesday nights, uh, which conflict with her practice. And there's really nothing she could do about it, right? Her her mother and I are in essence making her go. This is something that she has to do. Uh, and, and quite frankly, it's a, it's a, it's a milestone that most kids her age, you know, whether it's, you know, you're being, you know, Christian or Catholic or Jewish, like there, these milestones exist for most kids, um, who practice in some sort of, you know, organized religion. And so the adults in the, in the world, you know, the coaches and the other people understand that this is just part of like life, right? You're going to miss a practice for some other stuff that might be a higher priority, at least in the short run. And she's only 13. And so you know, she said to me last night, she said, dad, like, you know, like I feel really bad about missing. And 
I feel like, you know, coach isn't going to understand and I hate not being there. It looks like I don't want to be there on Wednesday nights when they do their conditioning. Like these are all really normal sort of thoughts that a young athlete might have. They don't want to be perceived as sort of cutting out on practice and like there's something more important than, than the team and all these things. And she was named a captain, which is she's so proud of and I'm proud of her because of the way she performs on and off the field. And she's worried about losing that because she's not going to go to practice on Wednesday. And I just said to her, I said, one, your coach understands, right, that this is happening, right? He coaches young people. He understands that there are things that they're going to go through in their lives that are going to have to take precedence at points over the team. And you're not cutting out and you're not making excuses like this is just something you have to do. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, I just I feel like it's it doesn't look good. And I said, well, what if you talk to him about it? And she's like, ah, I don't know. And, you know, what's he going to say? And, and you know, how is he going to react? And I don't want to hear what he has to say. And it's weird and I'm uncomfortable. Right. So I say all that to say is like, you know, a lot of young athletes, whether you're 13 or 15 or in college, have that block, that have that reluctance to have a conversation with a coach uh, or someone that has influence over their development and their career about things that are hard, whether they need help with something or whether they want to make sure the coach understands where they're coming from. I think a lot of times there's just this reluctance that, hey, it's either going to be dismissed uh, it's going to hurt me um, or it's going to be something viewed as being a weakness or a vulnerability. And so, you know, the the punchline to the story is, is that there really is none at this point, right? Like I'm still working with her and talking to her about how she can go have that conversation in a respectful, productive way um, and get the answers that she wants or the comfort that she wants from having the conversation so that it's not a source of anxiety, Right. So I say all that to say that that translates into other areas of, of student athletes' lives and, and, and it, it, it translates into the development over the course of their career. And I'll get into that a little bit more. So, um, you know, I'll go back to the question of why it's so hard to ask for help just to sort of recap. Um, and I was, I was reading an article from Psychology Today, which is a, you know, a, a professional trade in psychology or a, a, or a magazine or a website that I reference. Um, I have a, a, a profile on Psychology Today to, for people to find me. And the article, was, which was from last summer, you know, mentions three reasons why it's so hard to ask for help. One is we don't want to be a burden. Two, we don't want to be seen as vulnerable. And three, we make assumptions, meaning we envision a lot of times the worst case scenario, like what's the worst that's going to happen? We go to that, right? Because we want to protect ourselves. Our brains are wired to protect ourselves from that, that threat, right? Like, well, I'm not going to do this because if I do it, this is the worst thing that could happen. Uh, and a lot of it's in our imagination, but we make those assumptions and, and we rely on them. So uh, I'll just, you know, talk about each of those really quickly, right? I don't want to be a burden, right? Like I don't want to go to my coach or I don't want to go to my parent or I don't want to go to a teammate and and say something's wrong because I don't want to lay it on them, right? I don't want them to think that I'm weak, but I also don't want to ask for help because I don't want to, you know, you know, burden them. I don't want to ask for their time and their energy or feel like they don't care. So like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to try to solve the problem on my own. And that's really typical. Certainly I, that's something that I've struggled with. I struggle with all the time in terms of, you know, 
do I go to somebody and ask for help? Like, is it worthy of me asking them for help? Are they going to really help me? You know, am I going to be seen as a, as a pest, right? Two, I don't want to be seen as vulnerable, right? Like there's certainly a stigma amongst athletes, student athletes that like, if I ask for help, that it's going to be perceived as a weakness, right? That I'm not strong enough to solve my own problem, that there's something wrong with me. I'm defective. It's going to impact my playing time. It's going to impact how other people view me, right? Are the, is, there, is someone's confidence going to wane in me because I'm asking for help, right? Is that a sign that there's something wrong with me? And certainly that's that sort of tied to the last, you know, reason why we might, you know, we find it hard to ask for help is that, you know, we make assumptions, right? We might assume that if I go and express the need for help, that that person's going to immediately, um, you know, you know, uh, determine that I'm weak or vulnerable or I have a, def a defect, right? So all those things, three things are connected and they all make sense because again, our brains are wired to protect us from threats, right? You know, in the evolutionary sense, it was, I'm protecting myself from, you know, lions and tigers and, you know, dinosaurs and whatever, right? Like those big things that are going to come and eat us and I need to get away. Now we live in a world where we don't have those same physical existential threats, but the things emotionally that we face, those are viewed as threats that are much more, um, um, dire and acute uh, than they really are. And so our brain is trying to protect us from the hurt that comes with asking for help and being rejected or asking for help and being told we're not good enough or ask, being asked for help, asking for help and just being ignored. All those things are threats to us. And rather than take the risk of asking for the help, we just sort of hang back and say, hey, I'll try to figure it out um, uh, how I'm going to, you know, how I'm going to do it on my own. Um, but, but that's a lot of times counterproductive to us getting to where we want to go, right? If we keep it in the athletic context, uh, context, most competitive athletes have a goal that they want to achieve, right? I want to get from high school to college is obviously a very big one. When I get to college, maybe I want to get to the Olympics or I want to get to professional sport. Um, there are all these goals that we set for ourselves that are out of our control in a lot of instances, and they require a lot of risk-taking. And that's what makes athletes so special, is that they're willing to take those risks every day and give up their time and give up their energy, give up social things, give up birthdays and travel and all this stuff to be the best they can be. And they're willing to do all that. But sometimes we hit roadblocks in that journey that we cannot get over ourselves, right? And I think... For athletes, it is much more second nature to ask for help from an instructor, a coach, um, to work on physical things, right? I need to get better at this, you know, technical element of my sport, or I need to get stronger, so I need a trainer or a strength coach. Um, we are very well conditioned and comfortable with asking for that kind of help. But when it comes to ask, asking for help that relates to our mental health or our mental performance or our emotional health, that's a lot trickier because that's not something that's 
as normalized. I mean, that's just the world we live in and it's getting better. And that's part of the reason why, you know, I have this podcast and I'm certainly doing this episode is to shine a light on it because it's okay to ask for help. And then knowing it's okay to ask for help, then the next question that I I, I always want to ask is how do you ask for help? How do I ask for help in a way that's going to get me in the best position to succeed um, because of how I do it, right? And so there are three things that I sort of wrote down on this particular subject or this part of the podcast, right? Three things that I think you can do, anyone can do, myself included, could do um, when asking for help to make it more effective is one is being respectful, right? Like maybe it sounds obvious, but like approaching somebody in a humble way and saying, Hey, like I really want to get better and I need your help. Right. I think that that's really important. The second part is, you know, I think a lot of times, unfortunately, when we ask for help, sometimes strings are attached, which obviously, not obviously, it makes me personally very upset, right? Like one of the things that I look for, and we'll get to this a little bit, I think, uh, later in the podcast is one of the things I personally look for when I ask for help from people is I try to find the people that I know won't judge me, right? And so I would love somebody to help me in an unconditional way, because if I'm coming to them for help, then I know that I need help right? I'm at a point where I know I need to ask for help because I'm not going to get the change that I want if I don't do it. And if I come forward and ask for help, I don't want to be judged on that, right? I want someone to listen and say, okay, you want this help. I'm going to help you get it. Like, let's do it together. And I'm not going to question why or how or what you want out of this. I'm just here to help you out of the goodness of my heart. Frankly, that's not always realistic, right? Especially if we're going to our coach who, you know, you know, we, we need to put athletes need to put themselves in coaches shoes. Coaches have a job to win and lose games, you know, regardless of level, even at the high school level, certainly at college, right? So your performance is tied to their livelihood, their well-being, their success. So there's going to be a conditional relationship there by definition, right? So if you go to a coach and ask for help, if you frame it as, hey, I want help to be better so I can help our team be better, that's going to probably be me be received better than if I go to a coach and say, hey, coach, I want help because I want to get to college uh, and be an athlete. And, you know, all I care about is my performance, right? Like, they're probably not very different, It's but it's how you frame the request for help, I think, in terms of, hey, I want to get better so I can help everybody get better, so I can help you and I can help the team. Like that's going to go a long way in terms of, hey, you know, this is why I need help. Uh, you know, and so doing those things when you ask for help um, can go a long way to making it easier and more productive uh, and more comfortable. Um, and I think the the other thing, you know, I'll talk more about is, you know, practicing asking for help, right? If we're, if we're not good at asking for help by nature and we don't do it often, we've got to force ourselves to be, uh, uncomfortable or being comfortable 
being uncomfortable, <laughs> as they'd say, right? Like, like getting out of our comfort zone, which means we have to practice asking for help. Uh, and that's something I'll talk a little bit more later. So the, those are the three things that I would say, like when you're asking for help, that's those are the ways that you can be more effective in doing that. So I was in doing a little bit of research for the for this episode, um, I found an NCAA a uh, recent NCAA study, a report that came out a few months ago that says less than half of student athletes surveyed felt comfortable seeking support from a mental health provider. Now that to me is really interesting. If I contrast that statistic about asking a mental health provider to asking for help from other people in our lives that are not mental health providers, I find that to be personally somewhat surprising. And I'll tell you why. The main reason I find that surprising, and maybe student athletes don't understand this, is that asking for help from a mental health provider, it should be completely confidential, right? My work with student athletes in my coaching practice is confidential, meaning I can't share the details of what I talk to a client about with anybody else, including families, unless I have consent from the athlete that, hey, like, you know what, I'm going to share some, um, you know, background understanding updates about what's going on. But I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details of what we talk about in our sessions, because if you, if my clients can't feel comfortable talking about everything in a completely confidential way, they're going to hold things back, which doesn't help them. It certainly doesn't allow me to help them the way I want to help. Um, and so confidentiality is so crucial. But if a student athlete doesn't understand that, then yeah, they're probably not going to want to go help talk to a mental health uh, provider. Further, right, I just think there's a stigma with this idea of talking to a therapist or a counselor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, right? This idea that if I go to talk to one of those people, there's something wrong with me. And, you know, I'll share openly, I have on the podcast, I share it in a lot of the things that I do in my work. You know, I, I never went, I, the first time I went to go see a mental health professional was about 11 years ago when I was going through some pretty serious mental health, anxiety, personal issues. Um, and, and I, the only reason I went is because the consequences and the, the ramifications uh, in my personal life, my everyday life were so debilitating and so troubling that I felt like I had no other choice, right? I would have opted out of that unless I thought, if I thought I could solve those problems on my own, I opted out. I would have opted out. I didn't because I was like, I just need somebody to talk to. Um, and I did that and I found that it was a really, really um, comforting and um you know, welcoming and safe environment, right? Talking to my therapist at that time. And I had a good rapport and relationship with her off the bat and I felt really comfortable. But then as, you know, once I started that relationship, I still had anxiety issues that I was dealing with and panic attacks. And I ultimately, you know, want to go see a psychiatrist about the prospect of, being treated with medication to help, you know, maybe address some of the challenges that I had. And, you know, I was really reluctant 
not necessarily to see the psychiatrist because I was comfortable talking to people in the, the mental health setting in, in, in an office and having a conversation in a very open way. And I understood that the conversations we were having were confidential. But what, what I really struggled with was the idea of going on medication. Because like in my mind, it was like being on medication means there's something wrong with me. I grew up in an environment where that's not something anybody would ever do. I had preconceived notions about trying medication, like what they were, what the medication was going to do to me. You know, it was going to make me feel like a zombie. It was going to make me feel crazy. It was going to, all these things that I assumed uh, would happen. And I resisted going on medication for the longest time until I got to the point where I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia. Like it was really, really miserable for months on end. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, now I'm willing to give it a try. I waited till the very possible end to give it a try. And then ultimately I, I tried, um, a particular medication that worked for me after some, you know, different, you know, trying different, you know, types of medication. I found one that really works for me, had limited side effects and it made me feel much better helped me sleep and helped me, you know, avoid some of the ang- you know, acute anxiety I was having. And I was like, oh, I- I'm finally glad I did this. And it took probably three or four or five years to get to that point. I say all that to say is like, you know, I think there's just this stigma about talking to people in a mental health setting that we perceive to be uncomfortable and, um, you know, dangerous, really. Like, I don't want to open up. And I had this experience myself opening up completely to somebody and sharing the things that you're feeling and thinking. And some of those things are really uncomfortable sometimes. And it's like, well, if I verbalize it, then what's going to happen? Like, is it going to come true? If I verbalize it, like, is there something wrong with me? If I verbalize it, am I crazy? Like, you know, these are all things that, you know, I thought when I went into that process and I'm here to tell you that Going into a counseling center on campus or going to a therapist, a private therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist is, is not, it's not, it, for me, it, it wasn't as dangerous as I perceived it to be. And I felt comfortable that I could be, you know, treated non-judgmentally and confidentially have conversations with somebody that allowed me to like, just get it off my chest. I mean, that's something I see in the, in the work that I do with young athletes is when they determine that they can trust me as their mental performance coach and they're sharing things openly without putting a filter on it, that by virtue of doing that, they're getting a benefit. So like, I think it's important to understand that it's okay and that it's helpful and it's worth a try and not to be uh, as, as intimidated by it as it might seem, right? I'm here to debunk some of those assumptions, right? So I, I think there are a couple more things that I would share about the act, the practice, if you will, of asking for help. And I, and I wrote them down, right? So what are things you can do to practice asking for help? And there are three things that I would share. One is, first, I would seek advice from somebody you really, really trust, right? Maybe it's a friend, a teammate, maybe it's a parent, if you have that kind of relationship, whoever it is, be like, hey, I'm... I think I need some help here. Um, I'm thinking about doing this thing, trying this thing. What do you think, right? If they unconditionally have your best interests at heart, you can reasonably rely on them to tell you the truth, right? Yeah, I think it's a good idea for you to do that. 
if you think you need help, then I support you in that. Or if you think you need help, what are you trying to accomplish, right? Why are you doing it, right? Really finding someone in your circle that you trust unconditionally to give you good advice about how to do that and just to support you in that process of going to talk to a mental health provider or a mental performance coach. Like, does that person truly have your best interest at heart? They know you're doing it. They have your back. That's one. Two, one of the things I talk about in in my course, The Freshman Foundation, is, you know, practicing asking for help, meaning like role-playing it, right? Sitting down with your mental health provider, sitting down with your mental performance coach. I do that with athletes all the time. Let's role-play this hard conversation about asking for help. Sitting down with a friend like, okay, I want to go talk to my coach about my playing time or my mental health struggles or uh, a personal situation or whatever it is or my injury, like role-playing it, right? Having Playing that conversation out, right? Practicing what you want to say, practicing dealing with you know, objections or hard, you know, hard conversations so that when you're getting into that actual setting of having the conversation, you've prepared yourself for some of those things, just like you would prepare yourself to go and play a game, right? You don't show up a game and play a game against, you know, a good competitor without practicing, right? Without watching film, without practicing against their formation or their, 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 uh, defense or their offense or whatever, you know, you're going to go prepare for that. So why wouldn't you prepare for an important conversation the same way, right? We just don't think about it that way. And we don't really know how to do it a lot of times. Uh, and a lot of those times we go to ask for help or we have a conversation with somebody about, you know, something we want to, you know, get help with or work on and we're not prepared. It becomes emotional and then it becomes personal And then it kind of backfires on us, right? We don't want those conversations to be emotional and personal. We want to be uh, well thought out. We want to be well prepared. We want to be constructive. And we want to come out of that conversation feeling better about the conversation than, than feeling worse. And then finally, this is something that I think is really, really important in a lot of circumstances is asking yourself, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? right? What's the worst thing that's going to happen if I go to ask somebody for help? And a lot of times that answer is the gateway, the permission to go ask for help. Because if you really think about like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen, especially if you ask that question and have that conversation with somebody you trust, they're going to tell you like, like I did with my daughter, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Oh, I don't know. You know, he's going to, he's going to take away my captainship. Like, do you really think that's going to happen? I mean, I guess it's possible, right? Like anything is possible, but he could take away your captainship or a starting role or a spot on the team. They could take, a coach can take that away from you whenever they want. It's completely out of your control. So like, if you know that going into the conversation, really the worst thing that's going to happen is, is like, you may hear something that you don't want to hear. And this is something that comes up all the time in my work with student athletes, right? They'll come to me about a conflict or a problem they're having with a coach or something that's really just bothering them. And I'll be like, well, okay, you know, what would it be like to go talk to them about it? I don't know, you know, like, and ultimately the, the, the typical reason why a student athlete, whether it's high school, college, or otherwise, wouldn't talk to a coach or or somebody that has influence over their career about a problem is like they don't want to hear 
what they have to say. They don't want to hear something that's uncomfortable. They don't want to hear the truth. So rather than asking the question and getting the answer and knowing where you stand, good or bad, they'd rather just keep it to themselves. And now that leads to anxiety because we don't know what they're thinking. We don't know what they're going to do, right? Like we're sort of at their mercy. And when I've had student athletes address coaches about issues that they've had about game decisions or playing time or coaching philosophy or programming, um, you know, workouts and all those things. When they go to the coach to talk about that, when I asked them how it went, you know, the answers vary. Great. Okay. Not bad. Fine. But in, invariably the feeling that all of those student athletes have express as a result of those conversations is relief. Well, now I know where I stand, so I feel relieved. I'm not happy with what I heard necessarily, but at least I know why they did it and like what I need to do potentially to rectify the issue, right? These are the things that I need to go work on to put myself in a better position so that these things, you know, these results don't happen again. Now I take back the control of the situation, knowing that I need to do these things. And I think that that's extremely important, right? To that, that sense of control, right? What we would call in sports psychology, the perception of autonomy, right? Like I feel like I have agency or control over my situation in, not only increases, um, improves mental health, decreases anxiety, but it also increases motivation. Now I know I can do something to improve my situation, to improve my competence and my skill and my ability and my, um, as a player and my role on the team. Right. So like knowing that information is really, really crucial and critical. So I think ultimately the message that I would leave, you know, anyone listening with is a, you know, it's hard to ask for help, like accept it, like don't beat yourself up understand why it's hard to ask for help, but know that if you don't ask for help, even though it's hard, then you're probably leaving something on the table, right? Whether it's improved performance, it's improved mental health, it's peace of mind. It's all those things, right? Like, so asking for help is a resource that you have at your disposal. If you choose to access it, and knowing how to do it is going to maybe make it easier and allow you to get more out of it, right? So to go back to those things that you can do to ask for help, right? Like be respectful when you approach someone for help. Be humble, right? Try to frame it as something that's mutually beneficial. I'm asking for help so that I can help the group, the family, the team, all those things. I can help you, coach. Um and the things you could do to practice that are, you know, ask someone that you truly trust to get some guidance on how to do that or bounce it off of them and, or, or to get have a sounding board, um, to role play those conversations with somebody you trust, whether it's somebody like me, a mental performance coach, a therapist, a counselor, a best friend, a teammate, somebody you really trust, play those conversations out, know what you want to say, know what you want to ask be ready for objections and, and preview that conversation, maybe visualize it, 
put yourself in a, in the right position, the right frame of mind to walk and knock on your coach's door or your, you know, AD's door or your general manager's door or your whatever, you know, your teacher's door to have that conversation respectfully in an adult way with clear reasons why you want to have it, clear objectives and be ready for the objections that come so that it's not emotional. It's not personal. It's about your development and the improvement of the organization. And then always ask yourself, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if I ask for help? I think that's just so, so critical. So I've developed the Freshman Foundation Digital Playbook primarily for high school student athletes who are getting ready to go to college and be an athlete, right? You're going from an environment where you might be the top dog, the star, a big fish in a small pond in high school. And now you're going to a place where you're more on equal footing with your teammates or your peers or your competitors, where you're developing new relationships with coaches and administrators in a new place away from home with new academic demands, right? In in one of the modules of that course, I talk about how you can build a support network, right? Curate it, right? Meaning just intentionally developing that network. How can you get those people around you that are going to really have your best interests at heart? And one of the drills in that module, that learning module of the playbook is practicing asking for help, right? So I've laid it out in the digital playbook for for high school student athletes who want to get better at asking for help and building a good network when they get to college or before they get there, right? There's a way to do that. Like I've formulated mental drills, if you will, that'll help you practice that before you get to college or help you practice that when you get to college because the content in the course applies even in in that context, right? You can always go back and practice asking for help, right? So I would urge you to check the Freshman Foundation Digital Playbook out. Uh, you can visit michaelvhuber.com backslash course. Um, certainly there is other there are other resources in that course that I think are extremely valuable for any student athlete, whether it's high school athlete going to college or even a college athlete who's struggling to get the most out of their college experience. There are a lot of resources there uh, in that course to help you. So check it out, michaelvhuber.com. Uh, dot com backslash course. Um, feel free to reach out to me on uh, social media, Instagram at Michael V. Huber. Uh, check out our YouTube uh, channel at the Freshman Foundation. Uh, you can reach out to me directly uh, at Michael at ftbcoaching.com. And certainly you could check out the Freshman Foundation podcast on our YouTube channel or on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Again, that's the Freshman Foundation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast, and uh, we'll see you back soon. Thank you so much. So, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? The thing that I would like you to take away is that there is absolutely no shame in asking for help. I would be remiss if I said that asking for help is easy for me. It is not. I don't think it's easy for anyone because of the fears associated with doing so. Our brain wants us to believe that asking for help is a threat when it's exactly the opposite. It's an opportunity. If you view asking for help as a skill that you want to improve like technical and physical skills, then the odds are you'll get better at it. Doing this requires a growth mindset. 
I want to thank you for joining me in this discussion about asking for help. Check out this episode and all Freshman Foundation content on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and drop a like or a comment. To get access to more great content, register to join our community at michaelvhuber.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back soon for episode 70. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching, located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks, ready to get better.